everybody Gather near The doctors in the house So lend them your ears The things he can say Might even make your day He might even help Your pain go away The doctor is Might be one of the new names we're going to consider for this show. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy and healthy. Uh, from Dr. Jerry, Dr. Dan, and myself, we wish you a great new year. And we have so much planned for you this coming year, and we'll talk about that. First thing is I want to introduce Dr. Jerry. Dr. Jerry, Happy New Year to you. Same to you. Well... You know, uh, next next week brings big change, the start of some major changes. Uh, we're going to move to prime time next week, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to move to 7 p.m. Uh, you'll all get a, a email, and uh, we'll try and get that word out on, on Instagram and Facebook. But next week, we move to 7 p.m. prime time. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, if you miss us, you can catch us on Stitcher iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Alexa, Blueberry, you know, almost any place you can watch a podcast. So right now, that's Alexa answering. So right now we're called Dr. Ron Unfiltered Uncensored, but with this name will change and we're going to ask you to help us change it. We're going to ask you to write to docronradio at gmail.com, docronradio at gmail.com. And uh, give us some suggestions uh, about a name change. Uh, Dr. Jerry has three or four of them. Uh, We're thinking about docs outside the box, doctors in the house, MD, HMO. uh, So whatever. Everything's on the table, ladies and gentlemen. So let let me just give you an idea of what we have in store for you this coming year, why we move the show to prime time. First of all, we're becoming very, very popular, so I thank you for that, and and, uh, as always, with an attitude of gratitude, I do thank you for making this show as popular as it is, and you know that I have been having an attitude of gratitude since this show started five years ago, 
And I do believe that happiness is a lifestyle. You do have a choice. You do have a choice when you wake up in the morning. And I even noticed that Dr. McCullough is now writing about gratitude. So uh, we were on to something then and we're on to something now. And and, uh, I I do believe that uh, is a good motto, have an attitude of gratitude. So coming up, Dr. William Wong. We're going to do a program on estrogen from birth to grave. And why is that important? Because estrogen is associated with a majority of cancers. We're going to have Dr. Jaffe, whom you'll hear later in the show today. Dr. Jaffe, uh, we're going to replay uh, uh, his program from a couple months ago that we had technical difficulties uh, playing last week. Dr. Jaffe is going to talk about predictive biomarkers and how to stay healthy. These these blood tests can be done by your your physician, and then you could take appropriate steps to improve them and therefore improve your life. We're going to have uh, Dr. Sims going to talk about movement disorders, including Parkinson's disease and Tourette syndrome. We're going to have Stanley Nye talking about cordyceps and maybe other mushrooms. Dr. Jerry will give us more on that. We're going to have a show on mushrooms because uh, that's been uh, more and more people taking them. And maybe they don't know what they're for or why they, what, what, what they're doing. We're going to have a show uh, by Dr. Wilkinson on prostate, the natural healing of prostate. You know, when, it's, when if ever, should you have a biopsy? What blood test should you have? What are the symptoms? How can you heal it? Is watchful waiting the way to go now? So this is what we have planned for you. Of course, uh, you know, Dr. Jerry's there with the duct tape ready to take off, but uh, I'm going to keep him calm for a second because I want to I give him uh, a little accolade because, ladies and gentlemen, we, we always tell you we're ahead of the curve. And why do I say that? Well, in, not, in 2016, I warned you about fluoroquinolones, the Cipros and the Leviquins, that they could cause aortic aneurysms. So you know what? The, the hottest news now from all the medical uh, services that I subscribe to. Yep, FDA warns fluoroquinolone is too risky for some. Jeez, I mean, you know what I told you to also in, in 2016 when I was looking at the shows? I warned you that fluoroquinolones can cause peripheral neuropathy. So we're at least two years ahead. We had a, a call in about breast cancer and the first thing that Dr. Jerry asked her, do you have root canals? And, I, and we got a lot of flack. I got a lot of flack in emails about that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, over 40 million Americans receive root canals every year. And why, is that, why do I bring this up? Because Dr. Jerry was right on point. And this is uh, information from uh, the annual conference uh, in Orlando, Florida, May 17th to 19th on International Oncology. So 40 million Americans receive root canals every year. 98% of breast cancer patients have had one or more root canals. During this conference, they said that root canal tooth bacteria are extremely dangerous and release toxins that can travel in the bloodstream and cause cancer, stroke, heart attacks, among other diseases. Is Dr. Jerry right on the money, ladies and gentlemen? Way ahead of our time. So that's just two instances. There's been a lot of other 
uh, information we have brought you, to you about the PPI, the proton pump inhibitors. You know, we told you how dangerous they are, how they can cause uh, uh, insufficiencies of certain vitamins and minerals, especially B12 and magnesium, and how they may boost your hip fracture risk. Well, now that's coming. Every, I'm, I'm seeing that in Univatus and, and other summaries of uh, uh, different medications. Statins, ladies and gentlemen, boy, be careful. Be careful. Uh, they are now pushing these $14,000 a year injections, uh, and that could put your life in danger. Okay, you could get your cholesterol too low, and we've talked about it. We're going to have to continue to talk about it because uh, the drug companies want to have a pill for every ill. And if they can't, if they don't have an ill, they'll make one up. And I was talking to Dr. Jerry about this earlier. You know, what the big pharmaceutical companies do is is come up with a, a disease. They, they, they have their uh, doctors that they pay uh, go through and, and create a checklist that you can do at home, and then you take it to your doctor and say, I want this. And we're going to have to be really, really uh, careful, uh, and we're going to bring you this in this coming year. And, you know, this year we're going to – ask you to form some habits that will support healthy aging, okay, like eating more high-quality fats, and we'll talk about that. You might Some people may want to give keto a try. And feel in control of your eating, okay, without going on a diet. Diets, diet, diets fail. And if you've made some New Year's resolutions, I wonder how many of you are still uh, going to go on that diet or get to that exercise or get to that gym. So uh, this is my what I want to talk to you about. We're going to play, uh, like I say, Dr. Jaffe's uh, show from a couple months ago. I wanted to, again, remind you that we will be on at 7 p.m. next week. And uh, I'm going to turn this program over to Dr. Jerry. Well, thank you. Uh, I think we forgot to mention the duct tape diet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It works every time. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, the, the root canal issue has been suppressed, you know, from way back when because, uh, you know, it's you see the money that that generates, $40 million, and, you know, if it's $1,000 a procedure, that's, that's big numbers. The key in the whole equation, you know, back in the 1950s, Joseph Eisels, who was one of the top – uh, German physicians in, in West Germany, and he discovered that resistant cancers, meaning cancers that did not respond to either conventional therapy or even alternative cancer therapy, responded once the root canals were removed and cleansed properly and also infected tonsils. So this issue goes way back when to the actual 1940s, when in Baltimore there was a combined meeting, a national meeting of dentists and medical doctors, and they were talking about interference fields. And it all boils down to the fact that Weston Price's original research back in the 30s, and I think it actually happened to his own son, they took infected root canal teeth and put them under the skin of healthy rabbits, and the rabbits came down with the same disease that the patient had. So this is how they, they nailed the connection between the infection and the specific disease process. 
And, you know, even in my own practice, we've had some cancer patients, and the pathogens that are in the root canals are the same ones that are in the area of the cancer. And you remove the cancer, um, and if you don't remove the source, it's going to come back. It's one of the factors that keep the irritation going. And as Dr. Wang always says, irritation causes inflammation. Inflammation causes fibrosis. Fibrosis causes degeneration, disease, and then death. That's the sequence. So whether it be a mercury filling in your mouth or um, pesticide or heavy metals, the key in the equation is you have to define the root cause, remove it, and also feed the body, you know, good old... Sunoco racing fuel so it can heal. You know, it's it's too simple. That's the problem. Everyone's, you know, swimming through crocodile infested waters and running over broken glass to find the uh, the magic bullet. It doesn't exist. It's a combination of things. So that's my two cents worth for the New Year's. Well and and, and, and rightfully so. I mean you you were right on right on the money with that. And and ladies and gentlemen, you know, we're gonna be talking about uh Eating and drinking and thinking. Okay, we we really don't talk enough about how thinking influences our health. We're going to do that, and I just want everybody to realize that no matter what you hear about genes and one, two, three, and me and all that stuff, the fact is that ninety-one percent of our overall health it comes from the choices that we make, not by chance. Okay, if you decide to eat a, a processed food diet and lots of sugar and fructose, that's a choice you made that's going to influence your health. So we're, we're going to be talking this year about lifestyle-related conditions and treatments that you can do yourself. But you have to know that it, you're, you do have options and that you have control of your health. We've said on this program, you have to be the CEO of your body. Doctors that are out there now are not very happy campers. They, they don't get reimbursed properly. They are not trained to think critically. They are trained to check Google. So uh, it's up to you to, to get the information you need where we can provide some, and then you can go on from there. I forgot another person that we reached out to was Dr. Jacob Tietelbaum. Dr. Jerry probably knows him. And his topic was going, is going to be diabetes is optional. And why does he why why that topic? Well, he he wrote a book about diabetes is optional, and he talks about what I just said: excess sugar, white flour, low fiber diet, a vitamin D deficiency. That is critical. I noticed that McCall, McCullough wrote on that today. Vitamin D deficiency was people are using too much sunscreen and have been and the sun has been demonized. High rates high rates of obesity. Decrease exercise. Boy, are we, we keeping our meat on the seat, ladies and gentlemen. we got to get that meat off the seat. Magnesium deficiency is associated with increased risk of type 2 diabetes. And, of course, all the chemicals in our environment, you know, 80 to 100,000 a year, you know, and they block hormones. They block testosterone in men and women, and they are phytoestrogens. So, We'll get Dr. Tietelbaum to talk about uh, that subject and uh, talk about his new book, Diabetes is Optional. Uh, so the, this is what we have planned, uh, common sense uh, approach, uh, 
interesting guests. Uh, we have I've reached out to a lot of people. They uh, have indicated they would like to be on the podcast. Uh, it's just a matter of setting up a time. Now, we do have two times, right, Dr. Jerry, in February. Uh, if I go to my notes, we have Dr. Um, Sims. Right. Let me let's see where I have him. Uh, February. The first, the first Tuesday. He's, he's a 12th. Let's see. Yes, he's, a, he's the first one on the 5th. And then uh, Stanley Nye on the 12th. Uh, so we we do have them. We'll, we'll talk about them next week again. Uh, uh as 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 guests in February, but we'll have some in January that I'll, I'll be able to report on next week. So uh, I want to talk this year about alcohol and coffee and longevity because, gosh, uh, you know, it, there's more and more studies uh, coming up. There's a woman I read about. Her name is, uh, uh, let me see, I wrote it down here, M- Emily Bennett Hastings of Michigan. She's known as the Mitten Beer Girl. She visited all of Michigan's 323 breweries in a year. So I guess, yeah, that was a good assignment, right, Jerry? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll drink to that one. <laughs> and she reported on a study out of the University of California, Irvine, that revealed that consumption of moderate amounts of alcohol and coffee is linked to living a longer life. You heard what I said. That was that was not a mistake on my point. The key word, though, is moderate, okay? The study was called the 90-plus study. It started in 2003, examined the oldest age group, about 1,700 non and they determined why they lived to 90 and beyond. And among other things, People who drank moderate amounts of alcohol and coffee live longer than those who abstain. And Jerry, wait to hear this one. And I, 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 I've reached out to her also to be on the program. That people who were overweight in their 70s live longer than normal or underweight people did. She couldn't explain this. And she talked to a Dr. Claudia Kawas, K-A-W-A-S, who was a key researcher. And they, they don't have uh, a reason for that. But uh, they... It was part of the study of these 1,700 people. So we're going to talk about alcohol and coffee. And then what is the new cholesterol? Well, the new cholesterol, in in your host's honest opinion, is iron. We don't talk enough about iron. And I was blown away, to use Dr. Jerry's uh, uh, saying, about how much iron is actually in cereal. You know, uh, if your bowl of cereal contains 120% more iron than it's advertised, 22 milligrams, okay? So we just say average, maybe people can consume two servings at a time. That gives them 44 milligrams of iron. The daily recommended allowance for iron is eight for men and 18 for premenopausal women. That's women that are still having their menstrual periods. This is associated with a lot of disease, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of the reasons why your host gives, gives, gives a, is a blood donor on a regular basis. Uh, and this is a, something that nobody's talking about. When I went for a physical for a, a particular reason, I said, I want to get my ferritin level checked. They said, well, why do you want to do that? I said, because I'd like to keep it yeah, around 50, 60, 70. Uh, they say, well, the you know, we we you don't really need that. That's not important. The doctors don't understand about iron and how it affects uh, your cardiovascular system. So, we'll talk about hemoglobin and oxygen and iron in, in, in probably the second show of the year. 
And uh, that's all I got, ladies and gentlemen. I think, uh, let me see, I think I, there's a phone call here. Hold on, there's a, hold on, we got a surprise guest here. Is that you, Dr. Dan? Yes, I'm here. Happy New Year. Happy, holy, prosperous, and healthy New Year to you and well, uh, to Dr. Jerry. How you doing? Thank we're you. We're all doing good. Thank you. Okay. Um, all right. I'd like to I'd like to bring up some. I don't know if you would uh, think about bringing Dr. Ben Amalo back on also. Well, I've talked with him. He is uh, in limbo now with his career and with his life. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, I reached out to him. And, and if anybody's listening to this show that knows him, I've asked him for a slide from one mm-hmm. of the uh, CTE so that uh, Dr. Jerry can run a, a uh, diagnostic uh, frequencies on it to see if, because uh, there's a theory out that Dr. Jerry has, and I have one my own that. Uh, a particular area of the body gets injured and because of all the aluminum and mercury and other heavy metals in the body, these are white blood cells take the, uh, these heavy metals to the site of injury. And that causes, uh, the problem. Dr. Jerry has a, 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 another hypothesis that's really, uh, that he's actually working with and actually treating concussion patients with. So the bottom line is I have reached out to him, uh, he has been unresponsive. I know from his Instagram account, he's traveling all over the world, and uh, oh. he's no longer. So uh, that 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 probably isn't going to happen. Yeah, I I saw him on I saw him on television two weeks ago. He was on. If anybody watches the Seven Hundred Club, he was on the Seven Hundred Club, and he was live on. Well, he they were talking to him from the West Coast. And they were saying how, you know, he was uh, responsible for the movie Concussion with Will Smith. And that if you're interested and you have any problems with CTE or any of these sports that might cause it, see him on the West Coast. And there was a doctor, I don't know, Rubenstein or or, uh, one of the uh, Steins up in Boston on the East Coast. So that's what their 700 Club recommended. So I thought he was back maybe back doing his thing, you know. He had yeah, gotten things settled. Well, if anybody's listening and that knows Dr. Bennett Amalo, tell him Dr. Ronan uh, is is uh, he has my phone number. I have his cell phone number actually. Left him some okay. messages, but uh, we'd be interested in talking with him. Okay, All right. He, well, he yes, he sounded very positive about about what he was doing and that he was still doing it. So I don't know the true story because I didn't talk to him. So okay, that's something to think about. All right. Well, Dr. Uh, Dan, Dr. Jerry, uh, basically today uh, wanted to just wish everybody a happy, healthy, and uh, happy new year. I want to remind people, uh, our listeners, that we will be broadcasting live in prime time starting next week. This will be a prime time podcast at 7 p.m. And number three, if you have any ideas for a name, like like, uh, Dr. Jerry has uh, some... uh, uh, and I forget them, Dr. Jerry, excuse me for that, but uh, it was MD, HMO, uh, quantitative, yeah, quantum med- medical medicine, solutions. Yeah, medical, medical solutions, solutions. and the ones that, yeah. ones that my, my, my buddies have put in is the docs, DO, docs in the house, docs in the box, docs outside the box, uh, <laughs> some, 
that in that in that vein too, so that our program will be more e- easily accessible uh, on the different uh, uh, platforms that uh, where you hear podcasts. And, and I did uh, my, from what from what I've heard, Ron. Um, I like the song that Fred Cooper wrote. The doctor is in the house. Yeah, that's what well, I would that, pick. Okay, well, you're, and, and that's that's the leading and one right now. The the docs in the house, actually, D O C. Yeah, yeah, the docs in the house, the doctors in the house. Something, something with you being in the house, I think, really catches people. But that's something you have to decide. Well, we'll we'll decide it as a group. But you know, we'll see what other people say. But uh, thank you for that input. Uh, uh, okay. We need a, we need we need to change our brand, and because uh, this year is going to be incredible going to be incredible with guests, incredible with numbers of people uh, listening to this program, and I'm really excited. And I'm excited, ladies and gentlemen, for you to listen to Dr. Jaffe. I mean, this, this show was recorded a couple months ago, but he is he's even gone further since then, and, and he has a five-point program, even for physicians, who can help you. I mean, all I have to do is go to his website and look up Eat, Drink, Think, and Do, and uh here, you know, the physicians will have the, the blueprint of how to help you to live a longer, healthy, happier life. So with that, uh, Dr. Jerry, I will see you on the radio next week. Or, or we're going to talk about disease next week, ladies and gentlemen. Is disease the absence of health? Is health the absence of disease? And let's talk about it because I... The premise for me is that uh, what I'm seeing here among... Uh, friends and, and acquaintances is an overdoses, overdiagnosis, an overdosis. Yeah, I'm seeing overdoses too. So it's, it's killing our kids. But I'm seeing an overdiagnosis of uh, some conditions and it's costing. It's costing in, in morbidity and co- causing people to be sicker, okay? Uh, so we want to talk about why why this is happening and why with this overdetection, how, why, why, why are we getting all these tests? So, you know, we really have to start asking uh, our, doc- our doctors, uh, you know, is, do I really need this test? Is there options? What, what, do you, what are you looking for? So, what, but this, this is to be the uh, topic for next, year, next week's program. And there are some great uh, reviews that I've picked up in the British Medical Journal. The British Medical Journal is, is a really credible one for physicians that don't like to critically think. I mean, gosh, it's... it's so you can always have, we'll talk about how you have to look at the end of the articles to see who, what, which pharmaceutical company uh, is paying for the article. But, you know, my, my feeling is that they want to tell you you're sick. You just don't know it yet. So they want to sell you a drug. All right. Let's listen to Dr. Jaffe. Dr. Dan, I'll talk to you during the week. Uh, and everybody have a happy and healthy. Bon see you on the Happy New Year. See, see you, Dr. Jerry. Take care. Ciao. See ya. Doc. This is Dr. Ron. This is Dr. Ron, unfiltered, uncensored, with episode number 245.
We are uh, honored today to have a very special guest, Dr. Russell Jaffe. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I do have to uh, do some, uh, oh my gosh, what happened to my papers? Uh, I do have to do some work here, and uh, that is basically to read a disclaimer that my lawyers had me read, but I'll read that at the 4 o'clock marker since somebody has been at my desk. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we, uh, as you know, uh, have a really terrific guest from time to time, and today will be no exception. Uh, Dr. Jaffe uh, is the founder and chairman of Perk Integrative Health. Uh, it's P-E-R-Q-U-E dot com. This is a company that offers the world scientifically proven integrative health solutions to speed the transition from sick care to healthful caring. Dr. Jaffe has more than 40 years of experience contributing to molecular biology and clinical diagnostics. His focus is on functional predictive tests and procedures designed to improve the precision of both diagnosis and treatment outcomes, and he has authored nearly 100 articles on this subject. He received his bachelor's degree, his medical doctorate degree, and his Ph.D. from Boston University School of Medicine completed residency training in clinical chemistry at the National Institute of Health, NIH, and remained on the permanent senior staff before pursuing other interests, including starting the Health Studies Collegium Think Tank. Dr. Jaffe is board certified in clinical pathology and in chemical pathology. He is the recipient of the Merck Sharp Endomic Excellence in Research Award, the J.D. Lane Award, and the USPHS Meritorious Service Award. Dr. Jaffe was honored as an international scientist of 2003 by the IBC Oxford, England, UK for his lifetime contributions to clinical medicine, biochemistry, immunology, methodology, and integrative health policy. He is widely published and sought after to explain complex subjects to any audience Dr. Jaffe is also the founder and chairman of ELISA slash ACT Biotechnologies and Magic Biotherapeutics. Ladies and gentlemen, this uh, is a real rock star. I've been reading his work since 2014, and although this is sounding complicated, he, is, uh, he can break down uh, what we just said into uh, terms that you can understand. And basically, we're going to talk about some blood tests today, uh, blood tests that are called predictive biomarkers. And they're different than the blood tests that you get when you go to your doctor. As I'm finding out here in Florida, a good doctor is defined as a doctor who orders lots of tests, x-rays, CAT scans, and MRIs, and does very little uh, examining. The, the, what I'm finding here in Florida is when all the tests are normal, they finally examine the patient. Uh, well, we'll talk about that. Dr. Jaffe, good afternoon, sir, and Dr. Jerry Smith will join us shortly. Dr. Ron, a pleasure to be with you, and I certainly Thank appreciate you. your reading that introduction just the way my mom wrote it. <laughs> well, you have a terrific person in Justin, i got to tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, if I was a, in, in practice, mm -hmm. I would try and steal that person. <laughs> well, I, no, you can't poach him. Sorry. <laughs> I'll give him the feedback. We, we have a great team, and we're very privileged to have it. That is great. Dr. Jerry, are you, is that you on the phone? Yeah, it's me. Oh, good. Okay, Hi, Dr. Dr. Jerry. How are you? Terrific. Yeah, I just was telling Ron earlier today, I've been using your products for many, many years. In fact, you're mm -hmm. right in my backyard. I think you're in the Princeton mm -hmm. area, right? 
Well, uh, uh, I was at the Princeton Bio Center. I'm uh, really based in Vienna, Ashburn, and Sterling, Virginia now. Oh, okay, now. But, yeah, I, I heard you lecture, I think, one time over in the Princeton mm-hmm. area. I'm in the oh, yeah. Newtown, Langhorne area. Oh, that's right, yes. Uh, we, we uh, Nassau Club and various other venues in that uh, neighborhood. Yeah. So your products are great, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate the feedback. Yeah. Well, Dr. Jerry, I already uh, introduced our, our guest, and uh, I thought uh, as I spoke with his uh, his personnel that maybe we just have a conversation this time and maybe mm-hmm. get more specific as time goes on. And maybe, Dr. Jaffe, just explain uh, what conventional blood testing. When You know, I, I, I go crazy when all my friends say, you know, I went to this doctor. He ordered 10 pages of tests. He's really good. Explain what how they arrive at the normals for these these uh, chem profiles well with regard to the chem profiles the the cbc complete blood count the chem 20 studies they are routine they've been routine since i was a young physician they are referenced to a range and usually the doctors say that the number or the value of the test is within the range or outside the range as if there is some individual meaning to comparing that individual with that statistically determined, mathematically determined range. In the 1970s, that was the best we could do. Today, we deserve better. There are many tests, hundreds of thousands of them, actually. There are many biomarkers, thousands of them, but there are only eight predictive biomarkers that cover all of what we call epigenetics or lifestyle. All of the things you can do something about are covered in those eight tests. They have been validated on every population, every socioeconomic group, every geography, and they even give you, if you want, a prediction of 10-year survival, which while that's interesting, what's more important is that within a few months, for most people, who are not at their goal value. They're not at the best outcome value for that biomarker, that predicted biomarker test. Because if they were at their best outcome, goal value, they would have a 99% chance of living 10 plus years. And if they're at the usual level, say most people go to their doctor, they're within the usual range, they're within the so-called normal range as if that has something to do with normal, that has to do with statistics. And I'm not going to get into the mathematics of it, but the bottom line is we should all be doing the eight predictive biomarkers and looking at whether we're at our best outcome goal value or not, and then taking lifestyle steps for three to six months to see how close you can come back to that best outcome goal value. And in individualized cases, we go through another six-month cycle where we look for biochemical individuality. So it's not once and done, but it is a matter of adding life to years, years to life, and in most cases, reversing the loss of decades of quality life so that you feel and function better, you get better restorative sleep, your moods are more stable, you're able to concentrate and remember, etc. So we're talking about being proactive about your health and... Uh, and did, if you would just explain to our audience again about the epigenetics. Uh, right. And so let's start with genetics. epigenetics. Right. Let's start with epigenetics, right? Because it's not genetics. So genetics is the DNA. 
although it turns out your DNA is not a blueprint. It's constantly changing under the influence of your environment. Epigenetics is a word that you're... Because epigenetics, we used to call it lifestyle medicine, but you get paid better if you use Greek and Latin words like epigenetics. <laughs> epigenetics covers 92%. This is an NIH figure that's been reconfirmed for decades. 92% of the quality of your life, of your health status, even the duration of your life, is determined by these predictive biomarker tests. And the usual chem profiles, which were fine in the 70s when Galen and Gambino, colleagues of mine and friends of mine who wrote a book called Beyond Normality, and that made all these profiles possible and now widely used. And while they may have had utility in the 20th century, in the 21st century, we need the predictive biomarker tests and we need to know the goal values, the best outcome values, and we need to make changes in what people eat, drink, think, and do to bring them to their best outcome values. Yeah, Dr. Jaffe, is this a type of test if they go to their family physician, he's going to understand it or have access to these, or where, where would someone go to get them? Well, you can get them, and we can go over the eight tests so people can take note if they want. You can get them from almost any physician. However, most physicians, as I've indicated, get a report from the lab, and I understand that in certain states of the union, the, the more pages to the report, the better the doctor, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> and what I'm saying is do the eight that have meaning and take action rather than do the hundreds or thousands of tests that you just get a harumph because there's nothing you can do about them. Uh, they reflect that your kidney is a kidney and your liver is a liver and your bone marrow is a bone marrow. And that's a good thing because you want all of those. But where, when we talk about epigenetics, now we're talking about things that you can influence for better or for worser. And if your habits of daily living are shortening your life and increasing your suffering, we can identify where that's occurring and what to do about it. And that's where it's different than the usual, well, you're inside the normal range or not. Okay, so Dr. Jaffe, let's if you don't if you would please uh, let's mm -hmm. go through mm -hmm. the the eight tests that that uh, that you have listed uh, to mm -hmm. uh, so that people can live longer, not just uh, and healthier, not just longer, but longer and healthier. Uh, maybe we can go through that list. Oh sure, let's start with one that's familiar to many people. It's hemoglobin A1C. Today, as a diabetologist or as someone who's interested in sugar balance in people. I no longer pay attention to fasting blood sugar or blood sugar insulin ratios or things like that, but I pay a lot of attention to hemoglobin A1C. Paul Gallup in the 1960s found that when the body has a need for more energy in the battery of the cell, in the mitochondrial battery of the cell, the body raises the blood sugar in order to put more sugar fuel into the cell to rehabilitate the mitochondria. So your hemoglobin A1C should be less than 5%. If it's 6%, you're an average American and pre-diabetic. If it's 6.5% or more, as it often is, you are diabetic and the quality of your life is impaired in every way. Cardiovascular risk goes up, cancer risk goes up, digestive problems go up. A lot of things actually have to do with impaired sugar metabolism that the hemoglobin A1C test 
tells you whether you do or don't have an issue with that. So that's number one. Now we can talk a little bit more about that, or I can go on through the list of the eight, and then we can, you know, put it together in any way. Well, you want. let's just let's just stay with that for a second. I mean, that that, that okay. a lot of a lot of di- most diabetics know about this test, but most non-diabetic, oh, yeah. so-called healthy people, there I don't see physicians ordering this on any kind of regular basis uh, in a person uh, I, that I, does I, not I, have a high blood sugar. Ron? Dr. Ron, I completely agree with you that most doctors are stuck in the 19th or 20th century. They're doing tests that may have been suited to the 19th and 20th century. They're not knowledgeable about the contemporary science literature that has shown for the last 25 years that hemoglobin A1C is a meaningful test of average blood sugar and much more clinically useful than fasting sugar, two-hour postprandial sugar, GTT, insulin glucose ratios, HOMA. These are things that I did as a research procedure. We have the most successful outcome study in type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes, and we're happy to share that with clinical colleagues because one of the eight biomarkers relates to that aspect. Now, so I do you want to make any... sure our listeners understand that this is a test that should be asked for even if you're not a diabetic. Everyone should know their hemoglobin A1C, and everyone should know that the healthy people have less than 5% sugar stuck on their hemoglobin, so their hemoglobin A1C is less than 5%. Dr. Jerry? Yeah, do do you have like a nutritional protocol of someone uh, A1C is out of balance that you could recommend? Well, yes, and what we really recommend is to put the eight tests together as a suite or as a, um, as a unit, and then let us guide you depending on your particularity. So we ask people to fill out a 15-minute questionnaire. It's called an HAQ, a health appraisal questionnaire. There are so many possible things that can influence adversely hemoglobin A1C that if I just gave you the whole laundry list, people would, they wouldn't know what to do because they don't need all, all people don't need all the things that are essential for a healthy hemoglobin A1C. What we have figured out over the last 40 years is how to parse that question. So if you'll give us the benefit of the specimen, blood or urine, and the HAQ, the health appraisal questionnaire, then we can come back and be very specific. Is it chromium and vanadium? Is it a lack of uh, an herb that, uh, like banaba that uh, enhances the insulin receptor? Is it related to pituitary endocrine influences on cellular metabolism? Is it related to magnesium deficiency or choline or citrate deficiency? We could con- I could continue because there are many, many things that can cause your hemoglobin A1C to go up aside from a hyperactive fork or, or eating too much sugar. Okay. Right, so basically right, it's a global approach to reestablishing yes. health as opposed to just yes. uh, you're replacing a spark plug. Uh, exactly right. We are not machines that break down. We are self-renewing, and when we have all the good things and lack the bad things, we, we renew ourselves. In fact, no part of you, Dr. Jerry, or me, is more than 10 years old, and that's our bones, Our blood vessels and large joints are seven years old, and most of us is new in the last few months. So this notion that I'm wearing down or wearing out or I'm aging, 
that's an illusion. What it means is you're lacking the essential things that help you repair, and you have too much distress or toxic exposure from the environment that is impairing your basic chemistry. That is really a great point, and uh, and I think our listeners uh, will probably have to listen to that again. Is that you know most of our cells re- re- regenerate every seven years? Uh, that that's just a, uh, a generality that I have talked about for years now, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. you know we're not stuck, ladies and gentlemen. We are not stuck where we are. We can do something about it. That's the good so, news. Dr. Jaffe, that's hemoglobin A1C. What is your right, next? So that's the first test. one, hemoglobin A1C, and the best outcome value that you should have is less than 5%. The second one has to do with repair. It's actually the measure of repair deficit. This is known as inflammation, and inflammation is connected to almost everything that uh, makes us ill. What we did was look at the molecular mechanism of inflammation, and we found it to be repair deficit, and we corrected by correcting the repair deficit, not by suppressing and fighting with the consequences of the inflammation. In addition, we have a test, not that we developed. This was a test that Paul Ridker defined uh, with the help of Rafai up at Harvard. It's called HSCRP, and that's an abbreviation or an acronym for high-sensitivity C-reactive protein. So there was an A-reactive protein, a B, and a C, and a D-reactive protein. And the C-reactive protein is an exquisitely sensitive measure of your ability to repair, also known as inflammation. And the goal value is less than 0.5. And most people are above that, indicating that they have chronic repair deficit and inflammation. You know, it's interesting, you know, from a, a dental perspective, because that's my primary background, there's a lot of infections in the mouth and, you know, toxic metals and, uh, you know, dissimilar dental materials and toxic materials that can create this hypothyroid and also mm-hmm. chronic systemic inflammation that most mm-hmm. physicians don't even, you know, factor into the healing equation. You're quite right. The mouth is the window on the body. Uh, healthy gingiva, healthy gums are so rare that if you have them, send me a picture. The reason <laughs> that saliva is not very useful on many tests is because you don't just get parotid or submandibular saliva. You get serosanguineous fluid from the gingivitis, from the inflammation and repair deficit in the mouth, which is reflective of the systemic repair deficit uh, that, the, uh, that the individual uh, uh, sustains. And you're quite right. If you just took everyone who comes to a dentist and you had them do a C-cleanse, you had them taking enough polyphenolics, had them taking enough magnesium to balance their calcium, but in forms that can be taken up and chaperoned for delivery, other essential nutritives, and you improved the ability of the repair cells, because remember, it's the immune defense and repair system. So our immune system does defense first, when the HSCRP is above 0.5, then the immune system is on alert doing too much defense work and not able to complete the job. It's not able to complete the repair because if the repair was completed, the HSCRP would be less than 0.5. Okay, that's, that's all right. So now we have uh, two tests. And, right. uh, the, and, and hey, did, you, did you mention that, uh, that a reactive protein could be related to an underactive thyroid, or was that Dr. Jerry? Well, Dr. Jerry raised it, and he's quite right. Um, when you put oxidative 
molecules, toxic metals, foreign substances that people have delayed allergies to, etc. When you put those in the mouth, you're setting the stage to deplete the body of the essential antioxidants from ascorbate to polyphenolics, etc. Um, and the consequence, the consequence is systemic repair deficit inflammation, and then the HSCRP is above 0.5. And what you want to do then is stop the assault, reduce the toxins to the extent that you can, chaperone their removal from the body in safer, biologically compatible ways, and then restore the essential nutrients that have been eaten up by the oxidative stressors like toxic metals, hormone disruptors, solvent residues, mold products, et cetera. Well, you know, Dr. Jaffe, you know, one of the biggest problems, uh, you know, I think there's like 27 million root canals that are done yearly. And as you well know, it puts out a plethora of toxins Mm -hmm. and bacteria and chronic inflammation. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a high percentage of dentists think that this is uh, the gold standard. And, and unfortunately, well, many visit, yeah. They're taught that that's the gold standard. They're taught at Forsyth Institute. They're taught at VU Dental Schools. Uh, Henry Baxter, the dean of the dental school at VU, was a big advocate for that. And he and I had debates. And he <laughs> came around to say that there was a legitimate concern that people should avoid root canals if at all possible, and they should be explained the consequences of root canals if they're going to happen. Well, that's an enlightening response. From a dean of a dental school. I thought Absolutely. That <laughs> okay, so Dr. Now, Jaffe, maybe... Now, if you want to go on to number three... Let's move to test, number three. Yeah, number three. This is... Uh, the, uh, it's called homocysteine. H-O-M-O-C-Y-S-T-E-I-N. Homocysteine. This has to do with methylation. This has to do with regulation of your genetic code and how it gets translated, transcribed, and delivered to you in the form of new proteins and new structure and repair, etc. So it's kind of important. In the 1960s, Kilmer McCulley showed that if your homocysteine was above six, that you're at risk of accelerated cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, stroke, kidney disease, etc., Others have now found it to be an all-cause morbid and mortality indicator. So if your homocysteine is up, in addition to cardiovascular risks, your risk of cancer and of other chronic illnesses and of pain syndromes goes up dramatically. So we know that the healthy people have a homocysteine of less than six uh, and that that's what your homocysteine level should be. What that means is that your methionine is higher and the homocysteine is lower indicating the ability to methylate and demethylate the DNA, the RNA, the genetic material uh, efficiently. And it's the the third of the eight biomarker tests. Okay. Well, we can come back to that one. Yeah, most most people are deficient in B vitamins, which, Mm. you know, we all should know that the, you know, B9, 6, and 12 uh, help to, you know, reduce the homocysteine level. But today it's all synthetic. Well, no, no, you should have nature's form of the B complex. You always have balanced Bs, you know, since the 1950s. And, of course, you have enough to keep your urine sunshine yellow. Now, that means you're hydrated and yellow like the sun because if it's muddy brown or dark yellow, you need to drink more water because it's precipitated. It's concentrated, too concentrated. So you want a healthy B-complex that's reflected in a sunshine yellow urine. 
And for most people, that means a dramatic increase in the amount of B-complex latex. Okay, so uh, and and we will come back to, to to the overall treatment if we have time or at mm-hmm. another uh, visit with you. But let's get on to number four. Uh, number four has to do with your immune defense and repair system. It's the LRA by ELISA Act. It measures all of the harmful but not the helpful antibodies, and it picks up immune complexes and it picks up T cells. So we have the white blood cells that produce antibodies, and then we have the white blood cells that directly interact with our immune defense and repair system, and they're called T cells. That's from thymus, for those of you who are technical. The thymus is a gland inside your chest that has to do with maturing your immune defense and repair system cells. So T cells respond without antibody activation. Only harmful antibodies are a problem, and most antibodies are neutralizing, beneficial, and helpful. So our lab pioneered the ex vivo LRA by ELISA Act. LRA stands for lymphocyte response assay. So you actually have white cells responding in our laboratory just as they do in the body. So it's an ex vivo as opposed to in vitro. In vitro means in the test tube. Ex vivo means just as it happens in the body. It's a test that emulates the body in the laboratory, and we can do now hundreds of foods, chemicals, medicines, and toxins on one ounce of blood, as long as the blood gets to us overnight. And there's a simple preparation so you don't have pre-activated cells. And now a new generation of functional immune defense and repair tests is available that was not available before. And now we don't have to fight with the signs of impaired immune system. We want to substitute for the reactive foods, chemicals, and medicines. We want to enhance the tolerance in the immune defense and repair system, and then we want to come back after three to six months of substitution and see if you have restored digestive competence and lost reactions, or if your digestion is still undernourished, if you will, if it's still impaired to some extent, and it is for many people. Uh, Even after six months of diligence, because it took years to decades to get into your office, Even in that situation, we can come back after six months, repeat the test, see if you have lost some reactions and maybe acquired some others because your digestion isn't perfect on the second day when you start this program. So very often people come back after six months and they repeat the program, sometimes even a third time, and in many cases going from uh, uh, significantly disabled to significantly enabled just in a few cycles. I just want to make sure our listeners understand that's the LRA test, lymphocyte response assay. Uh, that's yes, LRA, probably... Act, LRA, yes, that would be less familiar to most doctors. The first three tests, if a doctor hasn't heard of the first three tests, go to another doctor. They might not have heard about the goal value. They might not understand the predictive biomarker use of the test. But those first three tests, everybody, everybody, if you're a licensed professional, you should have heard of them. At least heard of them. You may not use them, but start right. reading them. Now, the fourth, well, that's why I want to make sure they, they, they hear that again, because that's one that no one talks about. So, uh, yes, I, LRA, I, Lymphocyte Response Assay, LRA by Eli's Act. You can go to our website, elisaact.com, and, and get as much information as you want, either as a consumer or as a professional. So if your physician doesn't know about the first three biomarkers and has plants that are dying in his waiting room, 
Leave, leave immediately. Well, I, I don't. I do. I do agree with you, Doctor Ron. Do you know that when I go into this, not that doesn't happen often, but when I go into a doctor's office, if they have plastic plants or dead plants or nobody's paying attention to the plants, I just walk out. Exactly. I'm sorry. I won't. That's a bio. That's what's care. called reception. That's a reception room biomarker. That's a reception room response. At least that, I'm, I'm being candid with you. I want someone who cares about every aspect of their environment, and I want to feel a healing presence, including, you know, healthy plants or a little water course, or there are many ways of doing it, but somebody should pay attention. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Dr. Jaffe, let's go on to number four, maybe something that uh, physicians should know about also. Number four with the LRA. Number four with the LRA by Eliza Act. I'm going to reinforce that one because it may be new to many people. LRA by Eliza Act is number four. Number five is one that should be familiar, may or may not be. It's properly measured vitamin D. Vitamin D is a neurohormone. We call it a vitamin, but it's really a neurohormone. And the healthy range is 50 to 80. Some people will tell you it's 40 to 90. Other people will tell you it's uh, 60 to 100. My range, my proposed uh, optimum range is 50 to 80. Most Americans are below 20. Uh, At a consensus conference that I recently attended from the National Cancer Institute of the National Institutes of Health, they said that if you have less than 20 for the 25-hydroxy-D, so you don't want to measure the one, 25. You don't want to measure the uh, 1-hydroxy. You want to measure the 25-hydroxy-D. That's in the middle of metabolism if you're a technical expert on vitamin D, but that has been validated as the correct measure, and for a long time, tests weren't being uh, properly done, and labs were reporting confusing information to doctors, and I agree with the Endocrine Society that the healthy vitamin D range is 50 to 80, And how much vitamin D should you take? As much as your body needs to get you into that 50 to 80 optimum range. And the reason I say that is Dr. Michael Hollick, a vitamin D expert who's also known as Dr. Sunshine, tells me that 40 million or more Americans do not absorb vitamin D from their gut because of digestion disturbances called enteropathy, which is atrophy of the surface of your digestive tract. And so they must take drops under the tongue which is why I recommend drops under the tongue, 500 IU per drop, and the number of drops you need is the number that you as an individual need to get you into that 50 to 80 range. Well, we we talk a lot. I I, I guess a a program doesn't go by that we don't talk about vitamin D, and we recommend a D3 along with K2. Does that fit your approach? uh, Well, definitely D3. Definitely D3. If you're going to do it, um, under the tongue, as I'm recommending it, so it, it, it is absorbed under the tongue before swallowing, then you want the D3 alone. And we put a little bit of rosemary oil as a natural preservative to protect the vitamin D. With regard to vitamins K, K1 and K2, are both helpful. Remember that vitamin K1 is converted by healthy metabolism into K2. And remember also that K1 has a six- to eight-hour half-life, whereas uh, vitamin K2 has a three-day half-life, and it's actually fairly easy uh, for um, vitamin D2 to build up. Uh, Sorry, K2 to build up. K2, right. 
Yes. Okay. So that, that's an important point. I, do, I wasn't aware of it's that. It's a very important point. No, no. Vitamin D, as you know, is fat-soluble. However, D3 is the correct form, and 25-hydroxy-D is the correct test, and 50 to 80 uh, nanograms per ml is the correct range. Now, Excellent. with regard to vitamins K, we do recommend that you think about consuming both K1 and K2, but be careful because you can get plenty of K2 from leafy vegetables, uh, sprouts, and, and seeds. When you take supplemental K2, I recommend that you take it kind of on an alternating day basis because it has such a long half-life and it has the potential to build up, whereas K1 doesn't. That's a, that's a really great point. Did you get that, Dr. Jerry? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm that's, sucking it in like a sponge here. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking notes on that because that, that's really important. Yes, yes. Now, the next, if we can go on, the sixth is um, the, the uh, omega-3 ratio, the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 in your uh, membranes. This was developed by Bill Harris. More than 8% is the goal. Most Americans take in many times more omega-6 than omega-3. I recommend that you supplement with EPA and DHA, the active forms of vitamin, uh, the, the active EFA, the active good essential fatty acid, to balance out what probably is an excess of omega-6 in your diet. Now, you can reduce the omega-6 in your diet if you avoid chips, crisped foods, and edible oils. And in my home, where we have a permaculture biodynamic food forest in our front yard and a pretty whole foods-oriented kitchen, we cook with broth, we cook with wine, we cook with juice, uh, we sometimes add water, uh, but we never cook with edible oils and we never fry foods. So I agree with Mel Brooks, the 2,000-year-old man, stay away from fried foods. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is a, a story going out that you're going to be dancing at 120. I saw that someplace. That's my plan, and you can hold me accountable for it. And, and not just there at 120, you know, in a chair. I want to be up and dancing at 120. That's the goal. I think it's possible. You, you know, I'm 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 a little more than halfway there, as you know. So I'm 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 functioning still as a 35 to 40 year old, which, as far as I'm concerned, is pretty good because that's about half my age. Well, your your party really is still brand new. That's the key. Exactly. <laughs> yes, I will tell you that my dad is 101, and he. He just got. I just see him coming home now. Uh, he just he went to therapy so because he wants to go to Europe this summer and he wants to build up his uh, stamina. And uh, oh, good. typical Mediterranean diet our whole life. Really, excellent. Yep. Uh, Artemis Simopoulos, my colleague, who really put uh, omega three fatty acids uh, on the map scientifically, and the Greek Mediterranean diet as well as the Mediterranean diet. She'll be thrilled to hear that. Tell him. Yeah, my dad is a testament to it. All right, mm -hmm. so let's go on to another test, Dr. Jaffe. Sure. Now, then there's a test, and this will be an unusual one. There's a test called 8-oxoguanine. And this is a test of oxidative damage in your nucleus DNA. So it's not a genetic test, test of your genes, but it's a test of whether your genes are being oxidized and damaged or not. And it's called 8-oxo, O-X-O, dash, Guanine, G-U-A-N-I-N-E, um, also known as 8-desoxyguanosine, for those of you who are aficionados. Um, and we really recommend that uh, folks have that checked. It's a urine test. 
Um, it's available from any large and full function laboratory. But if you haven't heard of it, you're not alone because it, it, it is one that is unusual. Yeah, that's a new one for me. When I read your article, I, that was that was new to me. I never, when I left practice, we I never I had never heard of that. So I want you to know we. I want you, yeah, eight oxoguanine. It's a DNA oxidative stress test, and the goal value, the best outcome value, is less than five point three nanograms per milligram creatinine. So it's a urine test. You can do it on a spot urine, so that makes it a little more convenient. You correct it to the amount of creatinine in the urine, and you want to have less than 5.3 nanograms per milligram of creatinine as an indication that your DNA is not being damaged. Okay. So as oxidative damage to the DNA, uh, right. that, that is uh, when, when you have Right. When your, DNA, when your DNA is being beaten up, you'll have more than 5.3 nanograms of the 8-oxoguanine uh, per milligram creatinine. So that value will be above 5.3 if your DNA is being damaged, and then you want to bring in protective antioxidants and protective minerals to prevent that. Okay. All right, let's go on to another test, Dr. Jeff. And the last, yeah, the last, the number eight, is one you do at home. We recommend you do this every day. And so after six or more hours of rest, the fluid in your bladder has equilibrated with the lining cells, and now you can measure the pH of the fluid of the urine to reflect the cellular metabolic acidosis risk. And healthy people will be between 6.5 and 7.5 on the pH scale. Basically, you tear off about three inches of a little colored strip of paper. You either pee directly on it or you have a clean glass and you pee into the glass and you dip the strip and you look at the color. And you want to be green. If it's sand color, that's too acid. If it's darker blue, that's too alkaline. You want to be in the green middle zone. In almost all of these tests, it turns out it's a Goldilocks scenario. Not too much, not too little, just right yeah. is just right. Okay, that's something. Dr. Jerry, you do that, do you not? Yeah, well, I also, after I pee in the glass, I drink the rest because in India, <laughs> it's a urine therapy. That's another subject for another time. <laughs> Joanna, that's another. Uh, I did that, actually, just as... We'll talk about it another time, but I actually did that, and I understand the theory of it, which is very interesting if you're willing to pay attention to it, but yeah. the psychology is another whole point. Yeah. Well, I have an interesting question for you. A lot of uh, patients or even people are talking about drinking this uh, pH 9 water, and mm -hmm. I, personally, I, I don't recommend it. I just want to get your take on it. Well, my take, and I have been saying this consistently since Kangen and other companies deliver these machines. They are for laboratories where you want to determine the chemical pH of the water. They make the water alkaline by splitting water into an acid proton and a hydroxyl, what's called anion. The acid proton is drained off. The hydroxyl ions build up. You can get a pH of 9 or 10 or 11. But I'm telling you that hydroxyl ions are damaging to cells, and you have superoxide dismutase and catalase and various other um, enzymes in your body to prevent a hydroxyl radical from getting to your cells. Because if a hydroxyl radical, the way in which they make the water alkaline is chemical, not physiologic. 
If a hydroxyl radical got to your cell, it would damage it. Your body has many protective mechanisms to prevent such contact. So when the machine came out and many people were buying them because they're not inexpensive and they you know, claim to alkalinize you, I went to the company and I said, do you have any science? And they said, oh, yes, we have lots of science. And I said, could you send some to me? And six months later, I had received nothing. So I went to them again and I said, remember the science that you didn't get to send me? Could you send it now? And the guy said, oh, yes, right away, right away. And I got material in Japanese that said many people buy this machine and they are very happy with it. <laughs> and I'm confident that many people do buy it, and I wouldn't doubt that many of them are happy with it, but that is not science. Now, I had the National Library of Medicine translate the Japanese, because I don't speak Japanese. And so I went back to them, and I said, sorry, you sent me the marketing literature. You didn't send me the science, and I'm still waiting for the science, because it doesn't exist. Great point. Yeah, what, I, alkalinizes, I, what alkalinizes human beings and other animals are minerals, minerals like magnesium and potassium, but minerals, short-chain fatty acids, they alkalinize you, long-chain fats acidify you, but short-chain fatty acids like medium-chain triglycerides will alkalinize you, glutamine, an amino acid that can energize and repair your gut, alkalinizes you, but hydroxyl radicals, no, keep the radicals out of your house and out of your body. That's another great point, Dr. Jerry. Oh, absolutely. Well, Doctor, I'm, I I uh, told Justin I wouldn't keep you too long, but I do do have to ask you one thing I, uh, sure. about: Are you rec- are you still recommending that uh, when uh, a blood test where you measure the uh, LDL particles or the oxidized LDL ratio, HDL ratio? Well, yes, to... we can do that. No, no, well, no, we have. We continuously look at the world literature and evolve. So we did at one time recommend either measuring oxidized LDL or oxidized cholesterol directly. What we now recommend is the adoxoguanine. The okay. adoxoguanine. So you can right, so measure oxidized changed. cholesterol. You can measure oxidized cholesterol. You can measure uh, uh, oxidized LDL. They're very hard tests to get. There's only one company in America that offers the test. They happen to be in Brooklyn, New York. We got them to generalize the test, but they're very challenging to work with, picky. And so okay. we actually have moved on, and you're welcome to measure that if you want, and I'm happy to talk with people about it, but the DNA oxidative stress test replaces it, as does the omega-3 index, uh, as does the first morning urine pH and the HSCRP. So the eight that I said are the eight that we recommend, but you're welcome to do any additional tests that you want. Just remember that these essential and elective predictive biomarker tests have a goal value, and you want to know the goal value and see how people compare to that and then put a lifestyle program together to get them back to their goal value if they're not at it. Dr. Jaffe, I've I've learned a lot today. I I think Good. Dr. Jerry has also, and and I think our listeners do. And I want to give them a chance to digest this. And maybe mm-hmm. at some point in time, we could return and and talk about the lifestyle modifications uh, that can be made under in, with different scenarios of these of the predictive uh, results. Uh, yes, does that sound I like something we could do? Yeah, Dr. Ron, Dr. Jerry, and any of your listeners. If you folks have questions that arise from this conversation, let Dr. Ron, let Dr. Jerry know. We'll put together a presentation, another conversation, 
but that's a bit more personal. That gets into an example. How come someone's thyroid and adrenals got rehabilitated when the magnesium, choline, and citrate were replenished, for example? Well, I had a quick yeah, question I think that's for really, really yeah, important. you. You yes. have a fantastic product called Pain Guard. I've been using it for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's quercetin. Does that have any science behind it to enhance mitochondrial function? Well, um, I'm happy uh, to send you a preprint of our chapter on polyphenolics that will be out in a few months. Uh, so, yes, we're very much into the polyphenolics, but specifically coercidin dihydrate, which is different than all other coercidins, and specifically soluble OPC, that's different than all other of the flavanols. So, yes, coercidin dihydrate plus soluble OPC are the safer, more effective ways of reducing HSCRP because basically they help energize the granulocytes, the polymorphonuclear nuclear leukocytes, the wiggly dendritic cells that are responsible for touching every cell in your body every day and making sure that they're not abnormal, like the big C, and eliminating them if they're abnormal. That's called apoptosis. But also testing your connective tissue to make sure that the collagen, elastin, and infrastructure of your body is strong and renewed. So kind of important. Well, thank you. Yeah. Sure. All right, Dr. Dr. Jaffe, again, thank you so much. I, I, I would like to talk to you about Broda Barnes at some time. Uh, he, he's really oh, popular sure. on our he was, program. He was a saint. Broda Barnes was a saint. Subclinical hypothyroidism and subclinical, then there's um, Myers, John Myers with his subclinical adrenalism. Uh, we could do a whole 45 minutes on that. that. That's a very common situation that is commonly overlooked and misunderstood or maybe even mistreated. That would, that would be great. I would, I would really like to tackle that topic with you at some point because we talk about it a lot. Dr. Jerry uses uh, a lot of the uh, Broda Barnes techniques, and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so did I when I was in practice. Uh, in fact, I took, took his courses up in Connecticut. But be that as it may, uh, I thank you so much. I don't want to uh, take up any more of your time. You have been a fantastic guest with a wealth of knowledge for myself, Dr. Jerry, and our listeners. And as we... Uh, develop this program and get questions from uh, our, our listeners, uh, I'll get back to you, and, and we'll set up another time if it's agreeable. Please do. Please do. Justin's available at your pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. Dr. Jerry, any yeah, thank you. Parting? We just thank you so much, and God bless. No, Dr. Will, Ron, uh, Dr. Jerry, thank you very much. Look forward no, to welcome. another time. We will have Thanks another so conversation. Thank you. Dr. Jerry, uh, I'm going to uh, uh, Close this down now, and uh, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll get the MP3, and we'll play it again at four, and we'll take some questions from our audience. Uh, okay? Yeah, perfect. I just you want to hang on for a second, or? Uh, no, I'll call you. Okay, okay, call me. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Uh, interview with Dr. D- uh, Russell Jaffe on predictive biomarkers. We'll see you at four p.m. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. With over 75 years of experience, their doctors treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime. To become a patient, visit makingcancerhistory.com.